0: welcome back better day aheaders today we are going to be talking about the worst days of my life no but really we are actually but we're going to talk about how i got through it so my hope here is that by providing this documentary essentially on how i kept myself going until i was out of the woods that it'll provide you not only with some hope if you're currently go through something like this, but also some additional ideas to consider adding into your life if you feel like you're stagnant or if what you're doing currently isn't working as well as you want it to. I often have people in my comments asking, I I feel like I've tried everything, what else can I do? Well, maybe this will answer your question. You know the drill, get comfy, get cozy, get present, cuddle up with your dog, your snake, your guinea pig, I don't care. Let's talk about grief heartbreak and how to get through it. So I went through the worst time of my life at the end of 2021, as you guys are probably aware of, uh, after getting blindsided and getting my heart crushed really abruptly. And there have been a few major lows for me over my life, but man, this this one definitely took the cake. And I hope that this is the lowest that I will ever be in my life ever again. At my lowest, which seemed like a while because it was, I was straight up in survival mode, that was it. I had one job and it was to get through and to survive. There were a few things I focused on, but only a few, especially at the very beginning because I just did not have the bandwidth to focus on more than a couple things. These have carried with me through the rest of my healing journey, but this is where I began. Just know I know what low, true low, really feels like. And these things did help me to feel better quicker, so I hope that you consider them. Some of them might sound repetitive or redundant, like, duh, okay, of course I'm going to do that. Maybe some of these things are second nature to you. I'm just going to talk about what was helpful for me in the off chance that either you need something to relate to, maybe it'll help you feel better, or it was something that you've overlooked. You never know. I'm going to talk about these things in phases because over the course of time, I added more or different things in as I sort of outgrew certain phases or when what I thought was helping me wasn't helping me anymore. I don't know. Healing is super nonlinear and looks differently in everyone. So take what works, leave the rest, apply as you see fit. Right. So I just talked about this, but in the very early days, one thing I did was making sure I was covering the fundamentals any way I could. So this included sleeping and eating. Again, I know this might sound redundant but i think it's something that a lot of people overlook and it is really really important i was not sleeping and eating every day i was trying but it was really really challenging one thing about me as you guys probably know because i made a video on this before and how it fit into something else that i was talking about is that i lose my appetite really badly when i am sad when i'm depressed when i'm grieving and it's really tough to eat because I get really nauseous if I try to, and it's a really rough cycle. It wasn't every day that I was able to do this, but I was trying my best. But if I couldn't sleep at night, I'd nap during the day. I was doing whatever I could to sleep or to at least rest. I wasn't in the phase of optimizing my sleep, obviously. I was in survival mode. I was just trying to do the damn thing. I just needed to get whatever I could in however i could i don't know if this is relatable but the only time i have ever been able to sleep with the tv on or even wanted it on for that matter was during my lowest points because for me it mimicked like having the company of people and not physically feeling like i was by myself like i felt comforted so that's what i did if i couldn't sleep in silence if it was too uncomfortable i'd actually turn the tv on and bear in mind i know that these are all things that if you were to go to a doctor and try to optimize your health they would be like don't do this and don't do this again things look different when you're just trying to get through and the benefits of this outweighed the negative aspects, right? So again, telling you what was helpful and what helped me to cover the fundamentals, which were absolutely vital for me being able to function and get out of a catatonic state. So eventually I traded leaving the TV on out for something more healthy, like sleeping with meditation music or binaural beats, but that came much later and I'm sure I'll probably cover that again down the road, But At first, it wasn't enough. I wanted to hear voices of people and, again, feel like I had people around me to feel comforted. I also – I was on sleeping medication for a few months, so I'd actually be able to sleep. I had tried natural things and – That stuff has worked prior, but it wasn't hitting hard enough this time because I had insane anxiety and racing thoughts come bedtime, which is also the reason why I liked having the voices on and not just music because the voices were enough to kind of distract me from the thoughts that I was having in a really kind of bizarre way. I had tried meds for severe anxiety, depression, and also passive suicidal ideations, but it wasn't really helpful on a regular basis, and I tried multiple meds. So I just used the meds for sleep because they worked and I didn't want to completely lose my mind, right? I needed to scrape together any second of sleep I could. So even a little bit of sleep is helpful. I did use the natural stuff, you know, supplements to help take the edge off of the mental emotional hell I was in and that did help a bit. So that was cool. So the meds really didn't help me in the way that I was hoping they would, but this is where this blend of natural avenues and medications, you know, Western and Eastern medicine really blend together, and how you can use both to really individualize care. The supplements didn't just solve the issue, but it did help take the edge off. It helped take some days from literally like a nine or a 10 out of 10 to maybe like a six or a seven, which I know does not sound like much. But if you've ever been in that position, you know that even just a few notches down means everything. And even if it's just for a few hours, my gosh. Eventually, I was able to manage my sleep with natural support and supplements instead of you know having to take the medication, but just not at the beginning. There's no shame in the medication game. It'll, again, help take the edge off and bridge the gap between being totally paralyzed with fear and anxiety and being consumed overwhelm to being able to move forward and actually seeing the other side and feeling better anyway similar thing with my eating patterns i couldn't eat every day the emotional pain and anxiety was that bad and even when i could eat it was like a few bites of something so i would do whatever i could to make sure i was getting some kind of nutrition in some kind of calories right here are some tips i have found to be helpful in these moments eating very small amounts throughout multiple intervals and going very slowly, very slowly. Also eating foods that aren't heavy or rich, you know what I mean? Like fruit and soups, toast, yogurt, easy foods. Smoothies and juices were really helpful for me. They were like my go-to. So sometimes using liquids when food is a no-go to get those calories in, get in some nutrition, when eating solid foods sounds like shit, also might be really helpful. Lovingly, because this was said to me over and over, I'm going to say it to you as well. You have to try to get in some nutrition, babes. You have to. You'll feel better if your body has some kind of sustenance. And I know this is really hard, but just do your best. It'll make a difference. I love you. And I'm so sorry you're going through whatever you're going through. Also, just know, again, that this is not medical advice. Again, in fact, this is probably like the opposite of what you would probably hear if you were to go to a doctor to optimize your health. But we were not in that phase yet. So this stuff actually got me through the shittiest parts of my life. So although it might sound really bizarre or really kind of terrible, again, that's what got me through. That's what got me to the next phase. And it helped me build up my strength and maintain myself until I was in a better state. The next thing I did after covering kind of the fundamentals is getting in some kind of movement each day, even if it's just like a walk to the park. Movement is helpful for processing emotions and trauma. Walking outside naturally, in case you guys didn't know this, stimulates the same kind of activity as EMDR, kind of like promotes the same activity as EMDR as you look from side to side. And the muscle of trauma is the psoas muscle. It's a muscle that's in the hips. It's the major flexor of the hips. And exercise like walking can help to move some of that trauma. It can help to kind of exercise that muscle and again, kind of get some of that trauma to start to mobilize a little bit. A lot of trauma release exercises target the psoas. Exercise is also a helpful tool for focusing on something else that's constructive or even distracting yourself when you feel like you're spiraling or stuck in a loop or paralyzed with some kind of emotion. I talk a lot about the fact that the thing that's getting you into the mess isn't going to get you out of it when you're hijacked by your emotions. So the mess being like depression or anxiety or spiraling thoughts or whatever it is. You can't just necessarily think your way out of it, right? Because the thing that is supposed to help you think your way out of it is also the thing that is essentially diseased, right? So moving the body is what has to happen in order to change that emotional state. You have to move your body to move your mind. By moving the body, you'll shift your mental state. And this was very helpful for me. So at the beginning, I just focused on any exercise I could do, I'm not telling you to get the standard 150 minutes every single week. I'm just saying, do what you can. Get some kind of movement in some kind of exercise you know break a little bit of a sweat take it to tolerance what you're able to do in those beginning stages the next two concepts that i folded in that were very helpful i guess maybe this kind of came before movement but grounding and getting outside which can potentially go in line with movement if you're getting your movement and your exercise outside but if you're not getting outside is imperative. So first of all, for those who don't know what grounding is, grounding is when you put your bare feet directly onto the earth as a reconnection practice. So through the direct contact with the earth and the electrons it contains, these electrons can be transferred to the human body these electrons can help with countless biochemical processes that are conducted within our bodies as well, including neutralizing free radicals. I know this sounds very woo-woo, but we actually have research on it. I've talked about the massive studied and documented health benefits to getting outside nature and how our separation from nature, because we are beings that literally come from nature, that how these, this practice has documented negative health effects. And That's what being stuck within four walls can do, right? It can hinder your processing. It can keep you stuck. It can make you feel isolated. It can make you feel worse, et cetera. Have you noticed that? Like you'll be in your house feeling really icky or ruminating on something and feeling stuck. And then you go outside, even if you just go run an errand or go for a walk or go for a drive, you just kind of go through the process of like getting outside and suddenly all of that starts to open up it starts to shift it's a real thing so getting fresh air is fairly easy and this was another tool that i used as much as possible just if i was having a moment and i was sitting indoors i at least gave getting some fresh air going outside a shot i know it sounds like okay really but uh, just try it please just hear me out Adding the grounding and the direct ability for the earth to help you reconnect and facilitate that healing process, though, is very powerful. And it was, again, imperative for me. I have had multiple friends over the years joke that I'm like a plant and you can stick me outside all day and just give me some water, give me some sunlight, and I will thrive. Outside is my happy place. But again, There's a lot of good science to also back up what I'm saying here. This next one is probably a given, but again, these are loving reminders. Support from your community as well as therapy for the most obvious of reasons, okay? So therapy was a non-negotiable for me because I had a lot of perspectives and beliefs about myself that really needed to be challenged. I really had to work through some wounds some negative core beliefs i mean these are still things that i'm actively working through but this was kind of the launching pad for me really getting to the root of my shit because that's kind of the reason why i was in this shitty scenario to begin with. well it wasn't kind of it really it was the reason why i was in the shitty scenario so i have ptsd and trauma can seriously distort your reality and the way that your brain works and how you perceive the world So again, this is also why I sought out therapy. It took me a minute. This wasn't like the first thing I went to because I barely knew what the fuck had happened before it happened. So I guess I needed a second to process or dwell on my shit. I have no idea. But eventually, this was where I went to next. So I needed to shift out of the state I was in. If you're reluctant to therapy, as I know many are because either you've been burned or you've seen a therapist that like wasn't very helpful or they weren't giving you what you needed or something. I get it, you know, but at least having someone to regularly talk to about the serious stuff where you can get healthy, constructive guidance back is really important. It's really important. I'm going to throw support in this category too though as I mentioned earlier the concept of community because this works really nicely in addition to therapy, right? It's a very synergistic addition to therapy because therapy can't be your only kind of social support, right? But if therapy is a no-go, please at least get support from your community, from your friends, from your family, a random neighbor you trust, the person who bags your groceries. I don't give a shit, but ask, for help. Asking for support from people I actually knew at first and for a while was very challenging. I had a lot of shame in doing that, but I did it. And even though I have a thing with asking for help, I got over myself and this saved my life. I swear to you, it did. I had to force myself to make plans and to make myself see people at least once a week. Again, we're kind of still in the early stages of putting Humpty Dumpty back together because I was a broken mess. Pieces of me were shattered everywhere. So once a week is how I started out, which I know is a lot. I really didn't even want to do that. I just wanted to go underground and hide for just months on end. But I pushed myself to get out and socialize once a week, even when, and especially when, I didn't want to. Also, if you're reluctant to therapy, not that this is a substitute or in addition to therapy, you know, maybe something that could be helpful. Also, for me, I was diving into self-help books and podcasts like TED Talks, anything Joe Dispenza has ever created, Tony Robbins, Aaron Dowdy. I mentioned these guys in uh, my last podcast episode, the Q&A episode, too. Material that was empowering and that helped me reframe my ways of thinking where I could learn about kind of why I was in the position I was in. I would have these podcasts on when I was driving or going for walks or cleaning just to keep me engaged, focused on something hopeful, truthfully, and again, to get me out of my head. I'm trying to give you practical advice here because I know not everyone wants to go to therapy. Not everybody has the means to go to therapy. I understand that in a perfect world, I would recommend that everyone go and everyone probably would go, but it is really not realistic. So just know that there are also, there is no limitation of self-help material out there that can be very, very helpful, I promise you. So it was a really nice addition for me, you know, helped kind of like fill in the gaps of what I was missing or what I felt like I wasn't getting enough of in other realms of my life. So, okay so after i was out of the worst parts and i could actually function somewhat as a human being i adjusted what i was doing and i added other things in so that's what we're going to talk about now first off coming back to this whole concept of exercise i started aiming for regular exercise so at least a few days a week like three to four if i could really push myself we'd do four four days a week for 30 to 45 minutes Sometimes less, sometimes more, but I was really trying to get myself back on the right track. And the standard amount of exercise is 150 minutes of like moderate to intense exercise a week. But we weren't going for standard or optimal. We were just trying to function. So that was first thing. Now, for a lot of patients and clients I have that haven't exercised in a long time or maybe ever, which I feel is something that I should put in here because it had been probably a couple months that I hadn't been regularly exercising so I really had to get myself back in. I know that probably seems like a drop in the bucket for a lot of you guys, but for me as someone who really enjoys exercise and, you know, breaking a sweat and all of that, it was quite a change for me. There was this whole like rebuilding phase I was in for a minute. So, if this sounds like you haven't exercised in a long time or you're getting right back up on the horse after a long break, I suggest going for daily walks for you know 20, 30 minutes to kind of get in the rhythm of adding exercise back into your day and your schedule. So the change in schedule isn't essentially a shock to your system. And I, again, recommend this to patients and clients because I don't want them to stop the momentum because it's too different from their schedule and they it, it's just too uncomfortable for them, right? It's okay to feel overwhelmed or feel resistance to starting anything, especially exercise. But that's why it's important to find how to make it work for you. It's not to say it's just easy peasy to get going. Again, I know that. Even still on the days I'm really not feeling it, I'll just go for a walk or do something gentle like yoga. Other days, I just push through the feeling. But sometimes, truthfully, honestly, it looks like me sitting in my car for like 20 to 30 minutes outside the gym or at the trailhead of where I'm gonna go hike before I actually convince myself to get the fuck out of my car and go and complete my exercise for that day. It happens more often than you'd think. So, if that sounds like you as well, don't worry. Don't fret. We all go through it. You're not by yourself. And I definitely see you. But go easy if you need to, okay? Again, there's no shame in that. We want this to become habitual. We want this to become an integral part of your schedule. We don't want it to be something you feel like you have to do and you burn yourself out before you barely get started, right? So make it work for you. This next one, I was actually asked to talk about on my podcast when I initially asked Instagram what kind of content that Instagram would like to hear from this podcast. So it fits nicely into this one. The next component of my healing journey was my faith. Now before I go even one step further, even just putting a toe in motion to take another step. I know that this is a tough topic for a lot of people because a lot of people have been hurt by religion or by churches or they don't believe in anything and that's part of the reason why I'm somewhat covert about my beliefs, especially on social media. I don't ever want this to come off as pushy or anything like that, 100%, okay? And I completely respect anything you do or don't believe in, that's not what the purpose of this was. but i would say believing in something greater than yourself is absolutely vital for getting through the tough times because of one main reason so you have something to lean on to trust in and know that there is support for you no matter what and that there is something always working in your favor to work things out for the better period that's it again i respect whatever you do or don't want to believe in if this is one that you just kind of want to skip on over that's totally fine but it really helped me and i had to work very hard to figure this out during this time i would definitely say that i was um upset at whatever was supposed to be taking care of me and so i had to go through a pretty significant process of rebuilding my faith and what that looked like and developing a relationship again with god and then continuing to work on that relationship. And I'm really loving where things are at now. But it was very, very challenging in the beginning. I was not happy. Trust me. Not one of those people that was just like, all right, it's going to get better. I'm so grateful for this experience. I was fucking livid, okay? There were many, many nights I was yelling at the sky. So bitter. So again, if that sounds like you. Just know I see you. I get it. This was not a fun time for me and it's okay to be angry. That's it. There are many different beliefs out there and I support whatever others wanna believe in, again, or not believe in. I'm just telling you what was imperative for me. I've always had a strong spiritual side, but what my beliefs look like and how I practice has definitely changed over the years. But this part was really important for me because I needed to be able to trust in something and trust that things were going to be okay for me and that I inherently didn't have to go through life, especially these days, these darkest days, alone. And sometimes all I could do in a day was pray. And I've told you guys my favorite place to do this is outside while I'm in nature. I feel very connected to God and my spirituality so much more when I'm in nature. So I did this every night for a while. Again, do with that information what you will. Finally, after the really, really difficult part was over, which honestly, it took about four to five months. Maybe it won't take as long for you, but this was A really fucking rough go around. So after this, I was able to start incorporating more practices in and actually have them be helpful for me. I was able to kind of be in more of a building phase, right? Or a rebuilding phase, I guess I should say. It's a little bit more accurate. So I'll explain why some of them weren't going to work for me in the beginning, which is totally fine. But find what works for you, leave the rest, and then also revisit it if you need to. So the first thing I had to do was find a purpose, what I wanted to do with my life who I wanted to be, what my mission for myself was, for my job, etc. So this started the practice of me focusing my energy back onto myself and like really focusing on rebuilding myself and placing the importance of focusing my energy on my needs, my wants, and how I was going to be able to cultivate happiness again. So find a purpose next. Making a schedule. This is first because I structured my days around some of what I've already talked about and some of what I'm going to talk about in this next segment. It reduced the amount of energy devoted to decision-making about what practices to do and when to fit them into my schedule. Schedules make it really easy to just get what you need to get done completed without having to think too hard. So it's also kept me busy in the best way. And it was structured around my healing And trauma recovery and inherently also gave me hope because i was really investing in myself i think that was what i was trying to say earlier is investing in yourself so i talk about making a schedule so much with my patients and clients because it's so heavily overlooked and underrated as a tool especially in a situation like really wanting to change your life around the next one is making goals this gives you structure something to achieve and gives that sense of drive for life back It's important for growth. Goals helped me feel empowered. It gave me autonomy. It felt like I could rebuild my life in a meaningful way after what I perceived to have been such a loss. Although difficult at first to feel this way and to put this kind of behavior into motion, eventually I started to become excited about the goals that I had. This could be anything. It doesn't have to be business or work related. It can be self-improvement goals or traveling goals or whatever it is you're passionate about. I don't give a shit. Just find something that you think will give you that drive for life again and go chase it. Knock yourself out. Meditation is the next one. And I know a lot of people have some significant reservations with this. This was very hard for me at first. Okay. Definitely a challenge when you're more anxiety prone, which is why I didn't do it at the beginning. And oftentimes i don't i know this sounds ridiculous but for a lot of my patients and clients that have really significant anxiety i don't always recommend meditation at the very beginning because it kind of forces them to be more in their head and sometimes it can work against you so i kind of have a method to my madness but i'm not gonna i'm gonna stay on track for today but it is the reason why i didn't do it at the beginning at the beginning as i mentioned i was a basket case and i would feel way more anxious when things were quiet so I had to wait till my nervous system, appropriately named also, was a little bit more regulated. It's not a competition though and you're not bad at it if your mind ping pongs, just so you know. It's a practice. It's an awareness practice and the awareness is the key here. It's not control. So being aware of your thoughts and what's coming in because you need to get acquainted with the way things feel and how your brain acts when you're in a meditative state or when things get quiet and you really focus your attention on what's going on in your mind. So this is a great one for allowing your subconscious mind to show you things about yourself that maybe you need to work on or focus on. I know a lot of people have mental blocks about meditation though, and are fairly resistant to starting it. Honestly though, if there's one practice I would say it's the most powerful, it's this one. So when you're ready, I think it's non-negotiable that any person who really wants to improve themselves to the highest level incorporates meditation. Point blank period, I don't think we can argue against that one, but again, all in due time. Breathing exercises are the next one. This is such a heavily talked about topic, but I don't think people describe it well enough. So it's just like breathing exercises, like why do I need to exercise my breathing? That's ridiculous, I will tell you why. Right, so teensy bit of education before we move forward you have something called an autonomic nervous system, okay? So a network of neural activity that controls your unconscious processes that occur in the body. Things you don't have to think about doing in order for these activities to continue. It's gonna include your breathing, your heart rate, your body temperature regulation, like sweating, digestion. It's like your command center the motherboard, if you will. And there are two divisions that you have probably heard of before, your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. Your parasympathetic nervous system predominates what you probably heard of as the rest and digest conditions where you are in a calm, regulated homeostatic state. And this is starkly contrasted to your sympathetic nervous system, which is what you probably heard referred to as your fight or flight state. Okay. You're revved up. You are not feeling peaceful. This Is typically engaged in response to stressful, dangerous, or emotionally charged situations. So, anyway, back to the whole breathing exercises and nervous system regulation by way of engaging your parasympathetic nervous system. This is largely due to vagus nerve involvement. It's about 75% responsible, in addition to a few other nerves, but your vagus nerve is the heavy hitter. So, it's a major nerve in the body. And it has all these other branches that come off of it that innervate or stimulate by way of an electrical connection or signal, other various structures in the body to execute such parasympathetic activity. So examples of what I'm talking about here are, for instance, there is a branch that comes off of this nerve that innervates the lungs. And what it's going to do is regulate breathing, like we talked about earlier. There's another branch that innervates the heart to help regulate its rhythm, reduce resting heart rate. And there's another branch that innervates the gastrointestinal tract, and it helps do things like stimulate gastric acid secretion, and smooth muscle contraction, and digestion. That's why breathing exercises can be very helpful. Moving on. Diet and water intake. And I will not bore you with this because I know you know what I mean, but what I will say is a good rule of thumb for water intake is about half your body weight in ounces of water a day. Not that this is medical advice, but it is a good rule of thumb. I always suggest electrolyte addition as well to improve the quality of water and to properly hydrate you. It does not have to be anything fancy. pink Himalayan salt, you know, typically can do the trick or Celtic sea salt, something like that. But water should have trace minerals in it like normally, but we all use reverse osmosis systems, which takes the bad stuff out or most of the bad stuff, but also the good stuff too. Also with diet, again, I know you know what I mean, but it's removing crap like refined sugars and carbs, processed food, fried food, fast foods, and including whole foods instead like vegetables, fruit, grains, whole grains like brown rice, quinoa, healthy fats. Maybe I'll do a longer podcast on nutrition and stuff like this if you guys are interested, but that's a really good overview. So also minimizing caffeine, alcohol, nicotine. You guys know what I mean. So now that I'm in this state where I have a little bit more to give, this is where I started prioritizing and optimizing my sleep again. Because first of all, I was sleeping a lot when I finally came out of survival mode. I was so tired for so long. And this is something that's talked about a lot more nowadays too. Again, if this is something that you are experiencing, don't freak out because being stuck, in survival mode and in a constant sympathetic fight or flight state for that long is exhausting for your body. My best advice is to listen to what's happening. Give it what it seems like it needs. I've also said previously because I'm a doctor I feel like I need to say this. Check in with a doctor and like make sure there's not something else going on, but just know it might be a thing that you just need a ton of fucking sleep when you're in this healing phase, okay? So anyway, I used Yoga Nidra to help optimize and prioritize my sleep, which is kind of like an, it's like a meditation like awareness practice that recenters you, gets you relaxed enough to be able to get some good quality sleep. I also traded out my old habit of sleeping with the TV on for binaural beats or meditation sound, something on very low. But eventually I was able to sleep normally without anything. I mean, from time to time, I'll still sleep with You know some of these sounds on because they will typically help me get higher quality sleep but i was able to move out of using any noise at all also i will say you really want to aim for seven to ten hours of sleep a night this varies and some people might thrive on less but that's again kind of the rule of thumb other practices i would also kind of dabble in and do from time to time like once a week. I wasn't consistent, but I would incorporate them in. They were very helpful. I should have done them more often. You really should, but cold showers or cold plunges and then also red light therapy. I also did trauma release exercises. You can find some of these and find examples on YouTube. I just want to throw absolutely everything I can think of out there to help you guys, even if I wasn't consistent with them personally. I know if you are consistent that you can get some really solid benefit from some of these practices. I'm just trying not to go on too many tangents here and, you know, veer off track. But consider those two. I often get comments saying, again, like I've done everything to try and help with what I'm feeling and I don't know what else to try. I feel like I should give up. I don't know what else to do. So I'm just vomiting out as many resources as possible for you guys. So if you are looking for one-on-one help and more individualized guidance, I am more than happy to help you either with your mental health or healing journey or anything else that's health related. So you can schedule with me using the link in the podcast description, whether you live in Arizona or you do live in another state. So that is available if you so choose. All right. Well, here's how I think I want to close this. I know that healing and recovery from whatever it is that you've been through is challenging and probably terrifying. You are the only one who can save you though, and you are capable of doing so. We're often taught it's other people who will come to rescue us, right? Something we typically learn at a very young age when we're vulnerable. We don't have the tools yet to navigate the scary world that we live in. But the truth is, when we're at an age that we can know better and do something about the pain we're feeling, we can learn how to save ourselves. No one is gonna love you like you in this life. No one's gonna show up for you like you can show up for you. And you are gonna have to show up for yourself and be your best friend, okay? You can do this. If I got through it, you can definitely get through it. One last thing, one last thing. I know that this might be overused lately, but I'm gonna say it regardless. I might not know specifically who I'm talking to right now. I do not know you specifically who is on the other end of this podcast. I don't know what your story is, but I can tell you you're not alone. You never are. You're valuable, you're needed in this world, and you are loved. Got it? I promise you, you are loved. I know the world can be cruel, and I know that this pain can seem unbearable, but we will get through this. I promise. You've survived 100% of your worst days already, okay? And better days are ahead. And also, 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 one last thing, be kind to animals, please spay and to your pets, and adopt, don't shop. Thanks for making the world a better place. Thank you for being here. I love you, and I will see you back here next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.